0: Hello everybody, this is Parsha's Parishes And the Parisha begins with interesting words. It says Vayikach Kairach. And Kirach took. And all the Mefarsh and the Madrash and they all try to understand what does it mean he took? Who did he take? What did he take? So the author of Navardic gives a beautiful mushroom. <clears throat> he says Many years ago they used to have a thing called bank robberies. You know, before ransomware existed, the way people used to steal money was that they go into a bank and pull out a gun and Get money the old-fashioned way. So, there's a bank robber, and he wants to rob a bank, but he understands that it's not so simple. You can't just walk into a bank with a gun. The security guard's going to stop you. So he has an idea. He goes, and he gets himself a police uniform. So, he comes in with his police hat, his police shirt. He's carrying his gun out in the open, but the security guard lets him right in. It's a policeman. How you doing, Officer. And so the bank robber walks in wearing his uniform, walks right up to the teller. He looks around, there's no one else to be worried about in the bank, and he pulls out his gun and he tells the bank teller to hand over the cash. Things are going nicely, the bank teller's putting everything in the bag, and all of a sudden, he feels a gun in his back. Hands up. Lo and behold, the guy behind him in the bank was none other than a secret police officer. Plain clothes, looked like a regular guy, but a secret police nonetheless. So, okay, life happens. You always try again next time. So, the officer takes him, and he cuffs him. Now, in the olden days, the way you got a fugitive to the police station was the officer would cuff himself to the fugitive... So the secret police officer takes his hand and he cuffs the bank robber to him one hand in hand in handcuffs. Fine, they start walking out of the bank, they go into the street, and what's funny is all the passerby start saying, hmm, that that guy, they don't know who's who. Because on one hand you have a guy wearing a police uniform. On the other hand, you have a guy who looks like a regular civilian. So everyone assumes that the police officer the secret police officer is actually the fugitive, and the guy wearing the uniform is the right policeman. And people start commenting, I didn't know you would do this. They know the secret policeman is always an upstanding individual. Turns out he's a crook. Who would have known? And the only way to really figure out who's who, says Oliver Navarric, is one way. Who has the keys to the cuffs? The one who has the keys, he's the one who's in charge. He's the one who's the right police officer. Vayikach kairach, says the Medrash. Who took kairach? Who did kairach take? No one, kairach didn't take nobody. Kairach was taken. Vayikach kairach means kairach was taken by who? By his lave, by his heart. Says the Medrash, you look at the Pesukim throughout Tanakh. This is really interesting. When it talks about Rishoyim, it says Bilibai. It's Bilibay. When it talks about tzaddikim, The tzaddik talks to his heart. The rasha talks from within his heart. Bilibay means his heart has encircled him. His heart is taking control of him. He's imprisoned by his heart. And he sits there from within... And that's how he operates. The Medrash is telling us something very fundamental. Karyach wasn't really the one in charge at this point. Karyach was taken by his ego. He was taken by his heart. He was taken by everything else. And he had no more control. At that point, once, his ego was offended. Like the Medrash tells us, he tells his wife, look, he treats me, they shaved all the Levian, they made us look stupid, they threw us around, they did Tanufa, they waved us up and down, and... Aaron, he looks so good, he's wearing beautiful jewelry. It was all about egos, all about his own personal feelings, and he was taken. And once he was taken, there's no end to the damage that can be done. And a person always has to remember that the way you define who's in charge is who has control. When a person has control of himself, of his drive, of his, of his midas, then the person's in charge. If the midas are in charge of the person, then we're in big trouble. And... That goes for ourselves, when we're dealing with something or faced with a decision, we have to know well, who's driving who. Are we driving or are we that is driving us? But there's another aspect. How do you deal with somebody else when they're coming at you, so to speak? You're dealing with somebody and trying to figure out what it is they want from you. So in this 6th you see the same thing, after Kyach comes, he makes his whole parade, he brings everyone in their blue talasim to confront Maisha. He brings all his mashalim. And he creates a whole, so to speak, movement to overthrow Maisha. You know, they say Korach was the first anarchist. Korach said to Kalashem, Why should you be on top of everyone? Kala Kulam The whole Eilach is Let everyone be, let everyone lead themselves. No one needs authority. He was the first, Anarchist he's the first one who felt everyone should be in charge of themselves. And, you know, they say once that the World Trade Movement made, tried making some rules about how they can over they can kind of override countries' trade agreements, and the anarchists decided they want to make a protest. But well, they had a problem because they're anarchists, so they couldn't really arrange anything. But, be that as it may, Kirk seems to have a very valid claim. He comes to say, Who do you think you are to boss me around? Who are you? Yet, what does Mishra respond? Ma'isha doesn't tell him to look. If you don't have authority structure, things are going to get out of hand. We need to have one person. None of that. Ma'isha says, "Rav lechem Levi." you have enough covered. Relax. What does that mean? Ma'isha sees right through it. Ma'isha Ben understands right away. All these speeches about equality, all these speeches about fairness, getting rid of tyranny—it's baloney. you want to be the one in charge? And Rav lechem Levi. Relax. You have enough. Ayn Vimpelis' wife she says the same thing. She tells Ayn, Why are you getting involved in this fight between Maisha and Kayak? It's either going to be Maisha or going to be Kayak. There's no such thing as anyone saying everyone's going to be equal. Just replacing one power structure for another. Maisha Rabbeinu never got carried away when people said to him. He saw right through what was really driving the person and what was going on. It, this happens on a daily basis with a person's relationships. A person comes home and kicks his shoes off and leaves them by the front door doesn't put them in the closet. He does this every single day. But today, his wife loses it. Why can't you put your shoes in the closet? Blah, 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 blah. Everybody said, what does it mean? It means you had a hard day. Right? We all know that. And it applies to dealing with kids. It applies to everything. A lot of times, people say one thing, but we know deep down it means completely something else. And the same way we're like that, they're like that. And when you deal with them, you have to take that into account. That's lesson two from the Parsha. In part number three, I want to look at Qayr in this whole mix. Qayr is also involved. Is Qayrach, then it's Qayrach V'adassai. A lot of people got swept up with Qayrach. Now the question is, what did they do wrong? Technically, if you look at it, Qayrach brought up some very valid points. If you wanted to make a conspiracy theory, this is a very good conspiracy theory. All of a sudden, Maishar Benu, his brother's in charge, his nephew's getting in charge, they get all the money, all the gifts... Karek brought up some very valid points, some very, very, so to speak, eyebrow-raising points about Major Arameinu. So what did Kalei Israel do wrong? Maybe Karek's right. How do you know? So the Alter from Kelm says a very fundamental thing. He says, the Torah is teaching us something over here which comes up every single day in our lives. Kalei a couple of months back, or a year back, was given a certain clarity. They saw Harsinai, they saw Hashem talking to Misha. They saw the Torah as it was. They understood that Misha Rabbeinu was the Navi Hashem. Fact. They saw what happened to Mitzrayim. But at Har Sinai for sure, Derek Hashem writes, they had a clarity like Nevua that Misha Rabbeinu was the, so to speak, the mouthpiece of Hashem in this world. They knew that. That was a fact. They had that clear understanding. Now, it's been a year later, and some very good questions being raised. Do you throw in the towel? Do you flip-flop? Do you ditch it right away? Or do you say, look, there's a good question. I have to try to understand to the best that I can. But you have to can't be, so to speak, willing to to hold out for a little bit based on your principles. If you understood something, if you made a decision, if you're clear about something, just because something comes up that makes it look funny for a second, just because there's an obstacle, you don't just start throwing things away. And that's what Kaisel's mistake was. Yes, Mahesh Arbenu, seemingly, something strange. Why only his family are on this, that. And it has to be understood. Hashem's going to show them with the mata, this and that. There's going to be, so to speak, answers which they might not understand right now. But just because something came up, you don't just throw Mahesh Arbenu away all of a sudden. And that's a mistake we go through in our daily lives every day. We have clarity in certain things. We have decisions. We, 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 we have moments where... We recognize, okay, this is what I need to work on, this is what I need to do. Ten seconds later we throw it away because something else comes up. The Gemara says in Brachus that after a guy got married, the next day even Marov and Yishayim, they used to ask him a question. Matza and maitzah. Which the Gemara says alludes to two psukim. One posic says, Matza isha matza tev, a man finds a woman, he found goodness. The other posik refers to Anya Isha I find the woman to be more bitter than death. So what they're asking basically was, is how's the marriage going, seemingly? Now, it's a day after they got married. Give the guy a chance. He's probably still nice to him. You know, why are you asking the next morning matzah or maitza? So Shusha Pinkus explains, he says, it's not that I'm not asking a question. Matzah or maitza. You have to look at the words closely. Matzah is past tense. He found the woman, matzah isha matzah teif. You found the woman you found good might say Aniya marry Mariumovis if you are constantly finding your wife, then it's gonna be Mariam Movis. It's never gonna be good. What that means is a couple gets married, they made a decision, they found each other to be good for each other, they realize that they're the share and they move on. That's it. There's no more oh one second. Did she do this? Did she do that? That's it. You're perfect for each other. You move on and as things go on in life you plow through with that recognition and that clarity of we're meant to be together, we have to push through, and yes, it's going to take work. If a person constantly is reassessing, rethinking, repostulating, it just causes problems. It never goes well. Life is about sticking to decisions, life's about sticking to principles and working hard. It's not about constantly rethinking, having existential crises. All that just ends up with marmy movis. That's the lesson of the pasha. And I just want to end off with one last word. The Medrash, the Gemara, and Basra, and and He says that Rabbah of Avarchana, a, 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 a Arab an Arab Roya, an Arab shepherd, says, and you may say this Arab shepherd is referring to Yah Navi, came to him and said, I want to show you where Kairach and his Adelse and, and his and his group, where they are. And he brings them to the desert, and there's this like crack in the ground with smoke coming out. And he shows them a place in Gehendim where they're suffering, when they're burning, so to speak, and he hears them screaming out, Maisha MSerios, <laughs> MS Maisha MS and Serios Emes and we are we made up our we made up our own stuff. That's the Gemara. And before we try trying to understand, so why are they screaming this? Yes, Rab Barbachana got to hear it. That's true, but it's one person over thousands of years. I never heard it, you never heard it. So why are they screaming Maisha Emes MS of Undabadayim? Who's it for? It's not screaming in pain. A guy screams in pain. He doesn't scream, oh, my shit. The guy goes to the to, you know, dentist. Come to the dentist chair. The guy's getting his root canal done. He's screaming, ah. He's not screaming, oh, I should have brushed my teeth. So why are they screaming that for? So, Ibihan Galinsky says a beautiful point. Ibihan Galinsky says that that's part, the biggest, so to speak, part of the suffering that goes on in Gehenna is the recognition of the mistakes a person made in his life. And that's what Gehenim is mostly about, is living with the recognition for eternity that your life was a mistake, that you made a mistake, you did something wrong. That is the ultimate, so to speak, hardest pill to swallow. And for us, when we live life now, we have the opportunity to fix things, it's very important to recognize what's driving us, what our goals are, what our principles are. And not to get swept away by different things that come up, whether it's our ego, whether it's things around us, to just live life with what we know to be right, not to get carried away. And then, Mr. Shem, we won't have to live with that problem of realizing that we made a mistake. We'll live with the correct, so to speak, that that, that comfort of knowing that we've stuck to our principles, we made the right decision, and we live life properly. I wish you have a wonderful Shabbos.